And you are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You are joined by myself, Lawson, and the amazing, awesome, wonderful co-host, Monica. Monica, you know, I would, like, this isn't the start of the show. We've been here for an hour already. But I'm just always just impressed by the amount of progress you're able to make um, in some of the brief, you know, moments in the show where you get to pull out this, what would you call what you have in this front of This is called, <clears throat> excuse me, this is called crochet. Okay, so this is, you've got a crochet. Yes. And you you just get it done in here. <laughs> I'm, make, I'm making a blanket. Literally oh. every day when I'm on air, I'm sitting here crocheting. <laughs> That's so awesome, dude. Okay, well, you're going to have to put that down for just one moment. I to... put nothing down. So oh, well, can... you, need, you need to read the clue for the quiz. The clue is my name means laughter. See, I can do that without having to put my crochet <laughs> down. Isn't it amazing how women can multitask? <laughs> that is amazing. That is actually incredible. Hey, 0491, always... I just learned something, guys. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. We've got a bunch of people writing in with the correct answers as well. And what is our prize for this week that people are gunning for at 8.45? It's going to be Yeah, fun. today it is a double set. It is the Jigsaw Puzzle with Jesus at the Helm, which is a depiction of mm-hmm. um, Jesus uh, in, a, in a storm on a boat. And people are clinging to him and he is keeping them safe. Oh. And you get that along with the music DVD from the Fountain View Academy Singers. They have a... Uh, music tribute based on the great controversy. Absolutely. Hey, 0491-064-669, you're putting together that jigsaw puzzle. You're listening to your Fountain View Academy DVD. Um, I'm in your house doing the jigsaw puzzle with you because you invited me over. Think about think about how good that could be. 0491-064-669. I got a t- couple of text messages coming in here in response to you know what's happening in the United States, the story that I shared. Um, people who don't get married call it de facto. Um and this one, it says gay should call it, the gay marriage um, should call it unionification because if they choose to join together, it's not marriage case, um, which is between a, a man and a woman. Well, yeah, like we define the marriage biblically as a union between man and woman. I think for me, when it comes to it, you know, we can talk about the context of gay marriage in Australia being the plebiscite that happened in 2017 and the resulting changing of legislation that that took place after I I guess for me I I don't know I don't know I don't know what to say Monica I'm I'm like I I, mean I think they're trying to um, say that they should separate the words that gay people shouldn't be allowed to use the word marriage because typically they're not actually married because marriage is between man and woman Yeah, but it doesn't it's just something say it doesn't really matter what label you stick on it. Marriage de facto unification. Yeah, it just it's it's a sin either which way. Yeah, that's right. And it's simultaneously the marriage the the union that they're looking for is one that is civil based, not Bible right, based. Right. Which it's at that point it's you know if it's in legislation that they're allowed to do so. You know what ability do do we have to control that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but simultaneously, what we do have the ability to do is share the gospel with people. Amen. And to be a blessing to them. Amen. I love people. Um, we have Braden writing in this pronoun came as utter and total rubbish. Our Amen. society cannot continue for much longer. And that is the good news. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. Again, that story is just baffling. Mm. Like, it just gets me every time. What gets me about it is that this person is not being dismissed based on the complaints of children. Yes, there was a complaint from a, chil- a, complaint from a child that, hey, this person misgendered me 
in one instance where he was speaking to a group which he apologized for um it's it's not because of that but it's trawling through his you know his online mm-hmm. interactions and seeing that oh this person in the context of church and bible study doesn't believe in gay marriage so we're going to fire him and ban him from ever being a teacher ever again yeah I would actually like to know, because that's been five years ago since the incident actually happened, I'd like to know what that child thinks now, because I'm pretty sure that child's probably an adult. Yeah. And we've seen the stats coming out of kids who have become adults since this whole, you know, hullabaloo has taken place. And a lot of them sort of admit, yeah, we shouldn't have been allowed this to do this because it was just foolishness. Man, some of the videos that I've seen of, like, testimonies of these people, it's like insane you know people mm. you're like oh you know i was a 13 year old girl and i thought that i wanted to be a boy and then the course of action that was given to me is i was 13 years old getting a double mastectomy and like just Ruins their life it, it, you know put on to the hormones that have you know completely taken away my ability to have kids in the future and da da da, da and i don't mm. want to do this anymore and again it's it's really intense it's really yeah, intense. It's the work of the devil. I think that the off, often the the I, I think the best argument in favor of doing this of prescribing kids, you know these these um, these medical uh, plans moving forward. The best argument for it that people give is like, oh well, so many people in this community commit suicide, and mm. and there's such a big suicide epidemic amongst young people that we need to to fix this problem by going along with what with what they say because if we don't then they'll commit suicide but what all research has shown in this area is that um (laughs) is that after you transition kids it does not lead to a lower rate of suicide and uh simultaneously suicide is something that many people face there was a story today that i was potentially going to talk about i might leave it for next monday which is about youth suicide it has nothing to do with transgenderism uh but in the case of youth suicide, we can we can bring kids through that and out to the other side without having to without having to change their the, genders that's and right. give them med- yeah. And I know this because I have been a recipient of you know suicide watching care. Like mm-hmm. at, a, at a younger point in my life, I was going through an, an incredibly rough and difficult time, and I received medical care to help with you know the suicide struggle that I was going through. And then after that, I found Jesus that it completely changed my life. And I sit here today as someone who follows God um, and whose life has been changed and who is no longer suicidal because of the work that Jesus has done in my life. Amen. So, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It's like, Hey, let's protect these kids, but transitioning them is, is not the way. Yeah, uh, better options. We have a message here from Brayden. We are definitely heading towards a situation where re- religion is legislated. And though Australia is very Secular, it will follow um, the United States as it is the U.S. that sets the temperature in the world well more um, accurately. It is like Rome, uh, but the U.S. is the more public version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And by Rome, there's, uh, there's there's kind of like a double reference here. It's Rome in its Roman empirical form. Like it was the center of the world. It was the, the empire of the world that set the tone for the world back, you know, 1500 up till up until 1500 years ago but simultaneously we have movements being made uh in rome currently in a religious space to try and get uh, religion legislated in these places and yeah that's the interesting thing because on one side we're talking about teachers being let go for not using preferred pronouns but 
again, our point is that what we're seeing here is this is just a ground bed for any other ideology to come in and to be enforced in such a heavy-handed way. Right now in Australia, it's secularism, but the pendulum can shift as it is happening, as it's being done in the United States. So, yeah, there's some interesting text messages, guys. If you have any other thoughts on this, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, that that number, 0491-064-669. Nine. Now, Monica, we're going to get into some Bible passages and we're going to be doing our last day on talking about Babylon and yeah. what Babylon is, what it represents. Uh, of course, yesterday we were called to commit to God rather than commit to Babylon. Rather than, you know, and I gave my little illustration. I talked about how, you know, oh, how can we expect Jesus to accept us at his return if we don't have a relationship with him? And that illustration of, you know, I proposed to a girl, let's say, and she said yes. But then immediately after the proposal, she just ignored me for like, eight months up until the wedding date to the point where I'm like, I'm called off the wedding. Then she rocks up to my house on the wedding date and is like, Oh, Hey, let's get married now. And I'm like, no way. Like I is. And the question coming out of that was, is there an appropriate response? I don't know you. And the answer is absolutely. Yes. Like we don't have a relationship at the level that I'm willing to marry you. If you don't, if you ignore me for eight months, even after I propose to you, Jesus has quote unquote proposed to us all. He's given us every person the opportunity to have a relationship and be saved. And if we're not willing to engage in that relationship with him, then we can very much end up in a position where we just don't have one, where we're not following him. And when we're not his children. Now that was yesterday. We come to today and we're looking at Babylon again. And the title of our study is Babylon, the center of idolatry. We talked about how Babylon is against God, right? They're, they're the original in its original form in the Tower of Babel, they have made a tower that reaches up into the heavens so that they could stand against Jesus and against God and his ideals. But what does that look like for us today? We're going to be seeing, uh, yeah, very clearly. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. And to gain some understanding of that, we're going to be looking at Babylon in practice. So do you want to go to Jeremiah chapter 50 for us, Monica? Jeremiah chapter 50, and we have a bit of a passage here. Do you want to read 33 to 38? And then I'll pick it up as well in 51. So Jeremiah 50. 33 to 38. I am reading from the New King James Version. It says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The children of Israel were opposed, along with the children of Judah. All who took them captive have held them fast. They have refused to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will thoroughly plead their case that he may give rest to the land and disquiet to the inhabitants of Babylon. A sword is against the Chaldeans, says the Lord, against the inhabitants of Babylon and against her princes and her wise men. A sword is against the soothsayers, that they will be fools. A sword is against her mighty men, that they will be dismayed. A sword is against their horses, against their chariots, and against all the mixed peoples who are in her midst, and they will become like women. A sword is against her treasures, and they will be robbed. A drought is against her waters, and they will be dried up, for it is the land of carved images, and they are insane with their idols. Mm, Absolutely. So, 
In Jeremiah chapter 50, we're talking about the Neo-Babylonian Empire. So this is existing uh, around 600 BC, and I know Daniel was captured and taken to Babylon around that date of 606-605 BC. And Jeremiah is talking about the the prelude to that, um, how it is that Babylon is going to show up and is going to take Judah and is going to oppress them. Now, we know from the book of Habakkuk that it's actually as a result of the unfaithfulness of Israel that God has actually enabled or allowed Babylon to show up and to take them captive because they've been totally unfaithful to God. They haven't been following him. They've been living in complete sin and idolatry. And God is like, the only option for the way forward, for a way forward here is to allow you guys to be captured. Because out of the capturing, there will be a remnant who, which returns, which we know happened in the era of Medo-Persia with Nehemiah and Ezra. They return back to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, and that's kind of the final run-up to then Jesus coming uh, 2,000 years ago. But at this time, Jeremiah is writing to the people, and he's like, yep, you're going to be oppressed. You're going to be captured by these people. That, again, we know from Habakkuk was God actually allowed that to happen. But then he says, God says his sword is still against them against these Babylonians, which in verse 35, he refers to as Chaldeans. Monica, would you happen to know why the Bible calls them Chaldeans here instead of Babylonians? No. So it's actually because, again, we refer to this as the Neo-Babylonian Empire. So it's in the area of Mesopotamia in which the original Babylonian Empire was. But this time, who was the king of Babylon, you know, during the time of Daniel, say, and right here. Who's the king of Babylon? Well, there was um, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. But Daniel was still around when his uh, son came into power. Exactly. He had Nebuchadnezzar, and then even Nebuchadnezzar's father, they were racially Chaldeans. So they, like, their racial group, their heritage was that of Chaldeans, of the the Chaldees, but they were in the area of Babylon, and they had raised up, again, this neo-Babylonian empire. It was kind of like this new... Babylonian Empire and the image of the old Babylonian Empire that had been raised up and had become at one point as a result of Nebuchadnezzar's conquest one of the most powerful empires that existed on the earth. So these Chaldeans, the Bible says, the sword is against them, against the inhabitants of Babylon and against her princesses, princes and her wise men. And the question is, it's like, okay, is it because they're oppressing the people of Israel and Judah? Well, that's not actually what the Bible says. Uh, it says the sword is against the soothsayers. They will be made fools. The sword is against the mighty men. They will be dismayed. A sword is against their horses, against their chariots, against all the mixed peoples who are in her midst. And they have be- um, and they will become like women. A sword is against her treasure. They will be robbed. A drought is against her waters, and they will be dried up. For it is the land of carved images. Are they the end? They are insane with idols. The thing that would lead Babylon to its eventual destruction would be its idolatry, its carved idols, its images. Monica, what is idolatry? When we say the word idolatry, what what are we talking about here? Basically, when you worship anything other than God. Absolutely. So we put something ahead or in front of God. Uh, So again here, in this context, it talks about carved images and idols. Babylon was renowned for being a center of pagan worship, you know, of being, in fact, the founder and the originator of 
the 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 ideas that would persist through most of Near Eastern paganism, the idea of worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars, which would even go, you know, translate all the way down into, into Asia, in the east, over to Europe, in the west. It started in this area of Babylon. Even last year, I was invited by a bunch of Chinese students to go to a mooncake festival. And we sat around and we ate mooncakes. It was like really fun. But then I was like, so why do we celebrate this? Like, why, why are you guys celebrating this? And we looked up the Wikipedia of the story and we we're reading it together. And essentially the story goes that there was um, this guy and he was a powerful warrior and he destroyed, there was 10 suns that were crisping the earth. The earth was so hot and life was really difficult There was because there was 10 suns. And so this guy shoots these sons with a bow and arrow. He shoots nine of them and leaves one left, which is then left at the perfect temperature for Earth to exist. If there was ten suns in our solar system, we would be stuffed. But, um, but this is just the story. Uh, this is guy. I think they pronounce his name like Chung Air or something like that. Um, but he shoots all the suns. Then there's only one left. Uh, so he becomes the champion of of shooting these suns and he receives as a result this elixir of life which will enable him to live immortally but uh then this this lady her name is i don't remember but essentially she is like the love interest of this guy and she takes off to the moon with his elixir of life and lives there and drinks the elixir and she's living forever on the moon as like the inhabited spirit of the moon so this is this is a chinese um pagan idea this is this idea and this story of ascension to the moon by this woman was directly um transplanted from babylon we have the story of ishtar which is almost exactly the same uh well essentially the story of ishtar goes nimrod her husband dies and he ascends to the sun and becomes the god of babylon and when she dies she ascends to the moon as well it's a little bit different in its details but those ideas are pervasive right throughout paganism and it started right here in babylon this home and this center of idolatry but essentially what we see the reason um what what we could define as idolatry is putting anything before god i want to ask you a question monica this relates to our bible study that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks as well why is it that we worship god on the sabbath what, for what reason do we keep the Sabbath? Oh, basically, just he asks us. He asks us, and we're in a relationship. Well, if we are in a relationship with him, we want to, you know, do yeah. what he says, do what he asks. And what is the foundation then that God gives of, well, you know, why Sabbath should be kept? Well, he because he hallowed it, and so he made it holy, and we should worship yeah. him on that as per Ten Commandments. Yeah. When did he hallow it? At the creation. At the creation, yeah. right? As the Bible says, you know, God. Um, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the very express reason we worship God is because he is the creator of all things. Um, when and, and that's, you know, a big, you contributes heavily, heavily to why we keep the Sabbath. Um, the What's taking place in idolatry, and particularly in this ancient pagan idolatry, is that they were worshiping creation itself. Um, so worshiping the sun, ascribing, you know, some kind of, uh, personality or personhood to it in order to make it an object of worship. And similar things were happening in Greece. And, and again, as I just described with the story, um, from China, like all over the world, uh, this idea of worshiping creation instead of worshiping God. Now we worship God, right? Yeah. And what do you think God 
gives us in return of our worship of him. This is so much. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, do you have time for like an hour? Yeah, like, <laughs> like a list as long as my arm of the things that the God provides for us. Absolutely. We worship him because firstly he created us, right? So we owe our existence to him. We worship right. him because he redeemed us. So he died for us. Um, we worshiped him because the Bible says um, if God is not willing to spare his own son, he will freely give us all things. So it's like, okay, not only does God die for us, but also he gives us everything we could possibly need. He gives us provision in time of need. He gives us everything we could need or have or want or be. That's who God is. Like, we worship him because he's good, first and foremost. But then simultaneously, as a result of our worship, he has, or not even as a result of our worship, before we worship, he has given us everything. He died for the world before anyone could even respond in worship. He has died uh, for everyone. He has died for the human race. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are going to have our final clue for the quiz. Last one. This is your last opportunity to get in for the prize draw. Who am I? God commanded my father to offer me as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Very famous Bible story, little bit disturbing, but great imagery. Mm-hmm. God commanded my father to offer me as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Who was that? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. A lot of people getting it right. A couple mm-hmm. of people getting it wrong. Suzanne, you reckoned right. Good on you. Mm. Um, we have a text message coming in here from Trish. And Trish writes, hello there, I'm a primary school L-O-T-E teacher, that's languages other than English. So they teach a, a language at a school, and that is, for them, it's Italian, which is so... I just want to say, like, teachers are the best teachers, they're mm. always my faves. Oh, that's so awesome. We, I had, oh, I had a Lote teacher that wasn't very good, but, um, you know, I learned Japanese in school, shout out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so... Um, Low teachers need to use masculine and feminine language processes. Mm-hmm. So she's teaching Italian. So I think the difference there is like le and la yep. in Italian. I know that um, doing Greek and Hebrew, like in... in Spanish, he- German, a lot of, of languages have a, fem- a masculine and feminine um, form. And especially like using Greek and Hebrew in a... Uh, in a tertiary context where we're like explaining sentence syntax and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's something you always have to comment on is the masculinity or the feminality of the text. Like you just Mm -hmm. have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like, but then she goes on, Trish goes on to say, I'm waiting for the day when I will be told that I can't use these processes, which inevitably means I will not be able to teach Italian. God bless. Right. Trish, that is so intense. Yeah, because like what you say, ciao bella. Yeah. But if you say it to a dude, you have to say ciao bello. Yeah. So like, what are you going to do? Are they going to come up with the third option to just, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that you're going to have to create a whole new language mm. for all the languages that have a masculine and feminine um, forms. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, like in Greek, for example, they have a neuter form, which is like a non-masculine, non-feminine, but it's only for specific words. And so they're just going to have to apply that to every word and it'll just make it really confusing. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. We have another text message here which relates to our Bible study. Mm-hmm. Freco writes in, Joseph had a dream when his mum and his dad were the sun, moon, sun and moon and the, his brothers were the stars. I love this dream, by the way. Yeah. I love this story because it actually reveals uh, what, we're, what we're trying to get at here. So as we've been saying and trying to understand, we worship God because he's the creator of all things. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, and in idolatry, we see that they have personified the elements, the sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, the water, the waves, the fish. They've personified creation to worship it. But what happens in the story of Joseph's parents and the sun, moon, where you know Joseph's parents are the sun and the moon, and his brothers are the stars? Do you know what happens in that dream, Monica? Yeah, the the they worship. They know, bow down to yeah. Joseph, right? Because who is Joseph comparative to them? Joseph is the servant of God. Joseph is the one that is truly serving God, that is like truly following God um, and has been called by God. And because of the position that God could elevate him to and the, the roles that God could give him and the one even to you know, save his whole family and whatnot and be one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt, the empire of the time, um, God led all of these you know miraculous things to take place. And to the point where, yeah, his mom and his dad and his brothers, they were bowing down to him. But the meaning here, here is that even the elements themselves, the objects of worship in other religions, bow down to one who is following God, but ultimately bow down to God. Um, they are subject to, to God. And they are subject also, you could say, oh, the elements have never been subject to us. What are you talking about? Like the sun, you know, the sun, the moon, like I can't, I can't just go and fly into the sun with a rocket. I'll, I'll die. You know, <laughs> like, like those kinds of things, right? It's like, how are the elements subject to us? The point is that the elements, creation is subject to God. Mm. And if we stand on God's side, then they are subject to us. Again, in a context, not that, you know, we, we, we can bend the elements or something like that. Which actually, by the way, has happened in the Bible. We know that the sun stood still for, right. for a period of time. Again, but this is because people decided to be subject to God and, you know, they decided to follow God to put him first. And even the elements are subject to God as well. Paganism, on the other hand, and idolatry, we see it's when they worship creation. That was the kind of outflow that was taking place. We know that this is against God uh, because he states it quite clearly in the Ten Commandments. He says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 to 6, he says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who keep my commandments so god is absolutely clear please don't do this it is idolatry and it's against the you know it's in the ten commandments that it's against his it's morally wrong it's morally a sin it's in his moral law do you want to read for us psalms chapter 115 verse 4 to 8 psalm 115 verse 4 to 8 if you can get that for us monica their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. To those who make, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Mm, absolutely. So... Uh, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bit of an ending. Those who make them are like them, so basically horribly incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so literally can't do anything. Yeah, yeah that's right. So it, that's essentially what it's like. Look, these statues can't do anything for you. Yeah. Now, in terms of modern, the modern world, you know, do do I worship statues? No, 
um, do. There are people in the world who worship statues, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you can see that in the East. You can see that in the West. You can see that in the Vatican. There are people mm-hmm. who worship statues. Uh, but, you know, is, is like for me, uh, could I be not following God but not worshiping statues? So then I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not committing idolatry. Often we apply this and we say that you, you're committing idolatry when you put anything before God. And the basic understanding and the basic thought is there is that when you put anything before God, um, you're relying on that to, you know, provide for you to, to give you means or whatever it may be. For a lot of people, it's their work. For a lot of people, it's, you know, certain, certain other people in their life. It's a, it's a hobby. It's themselves. It's themselves. You know, it's, I think all idolatry is a form of selfishness that's because right. you're worshiping something for what you can gain from it rather yep. than what you can give to it. Um, and that's why I think there's also the potential that people aren't committing idolatry yet they don't know the name of Jesus because, mm-hmm. you know, not, yeah. There's a whole conversation about there about, um, yeah, what is really idolatry? And even if you know Jesus, even if you are a Christian, you can still be committing idolatry and, and guilty of that sin. But ultimately, when we are idolizing some, some, someone or something that isn't God, uh, when we're worshiping something that isn't God, we're prescribed, we're putting them in a place of dependence and need. And I see this a lot with people's careers, especially, or, or work and, and money and means and gain. And I think personally, I've experienced in my family and many th- people have experienced the, the, how fickle, um, your career can be, um, and money can be. You know, we, we talked about the story of this teacher. He accidentally called a group of <laughs> girls girls um and it turned out that one of them didn't identify as a girl and they lost their career now this man he's not relying on his career he's relying on god and he's saying okay well fair enough and he'll be able to get through this things can be so fickle things can change in an instant if we worship anything that's in this world it will let us down but god will not you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different you are listening to The Breakfast Show, and we have come to the time where we do nothing else but spin that wheel. So we're going to start with that right now. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, Monica. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just ready. Spin it. Spin, spin it, it, DJ Shanna. There the spin goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. <laughs> and oh, oh, oh. We have a winner! Okay, amazing. We're going to try and get them on the phone right now while we're getting them on the phone. Monica, give us some some answers for the quiz. The answer was Isaac. So Isaac, uh, the king of Gera, sought out Isaac to make a treaty with him uh, that he would do him and his people no harm. Isaac was 40 years old when he married the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian from Padar Aram. Isaac had a taste for wild game. I didn't know that about him. Mm-hmm. Isaac's name means laughter, which is just a beautiful meaning in my, mm-hmm. my opinion. And God commanded Isaac's father to offer Isaac as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. So there you go. It was Isaac. Congratulations to everyone who got that correct. Kudos for your, getting your Bible knowledge um, mm-hmm. up there. It's a really great uh, endeavor. And uh, we're going to see if we can maybe get our winner on air. I think we've got them on the phone. But it's interesting that Isaac's name is laughter because Sarah laughed. So Isaac, right. Isaac's actually funny. Yeah. Like he's not like the one who's constantly <laughs> laughing. He's the one who's making people laugh. Of course, he was making people laugh before they were born. Um, yeah. <laughs> because God, God, is, God goes to uh, God goes to Sarah and say, like, "Hey, you're gonna have a baby," and she's like, "Lol, no." <laughs> but hey, we have our winner on the phone, Chris. Are you there with us? 
Chris, are you there? Yes. Hey, uh, how you doing? Oh, fantastic. We're fantastic. And we know that you, we know that you are probably fantastic because you won our prize for this week. You've won our yeah. DVD and our jigsaw. Yeah, I was going to say, I love jigsaws. Absolutely. So, um, are you, you love jigsaws. Are you, you're an experienced jigsaw user then, you'd say? Uh, yes, yes. It's, um, so I start and I've got to keep going until it's stopped. Okay. It can take days. I, okay, you're a days guy. I know that for me, I've had a thousand piece jigsaws that have been on my table for like two months. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but you're just about like getting in there, getting it done, and you'll be able to listen to this DVD as well. Yeah, no, awesome. That sounds great. Chris, where are, you, where are you getting to us from? Well, um, we're currently about to do a, um, a talk about the skydiving incident. Wow. Um, and so we're at a place called Officer in Victoria, mm-hmm. and we're at the Heritage College. Mm. So, yeah, so we're going to have a bit of a chat with the kids there, and then tomorrow morning at the Moe Church, we're presenting the, the story there as well. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Hey, shout out the Happy Diver as well. That's your your podcast, right? Yeah, YouTube channel, yeah. Yeah, your yeah, YouTube channel. Right. Shout out the Happy Diver. I've got Happy Diver stickers that you sent me, actually. They've been on my laptop and different things as well. So <laughs> shout out the Happy Diver. Chris, fantastic. Great job. And congratulations on winning the prize. Oh, thanks so to all you. Thanks very much. Awesome. Have a great day, Chris. Yeah, you too. God bless you. Oh, God bless. Oh, man, that's that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm going to check this out. I've never heard of Happy Diver. Happy Diver. There's some amazing stories there, including, as he mentioned, um, surviving a skydiving incident. Yeah, wow. So, really, we've had Chris on the show before. I promise, we, we know this guy, but we didn't rig the, we didn't rig the draw. Uh, we, we know Chris, though. But, um, yeah, yeah anyone's, no, anyone's welcome to Anyone's welcome to enter our, our quiz. Except for us. Yeah, except for you <laughs> and me. <laughs> I'm DJ Shell. So, 0491064669, that's the number to enter that went not allowed to use. Hey, we're talking about Isaac as well, this guy that makes everyone laugh. And then also just an absolute baller in the ter- in in terms of just like waiting for the right one. He was like, you know, he was he was 40 and his the servant got sent out to find him his wife, found his wife, you know, got the got the hook up with Rebecca. So, dude, doing well, living his best life. Amen. Um, Isaac. And, you know, not not putting pressure on it, but saying when the Lord leaves, le- when the Lord leads, the Lord leads. You know, so, hey, to all our listeners, maybe you're sitting there, um, as we're sitting here in the studio as well, single, you're thinking about, okay, what's, you know, what's my future? Who Who is it that God has prepared for me? Well, this Lawson's back on the single train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just giving myself hope, okay? Ah, <laughs> <Just laughs> oh, absolutely. But yeah, then of course Isaac having his two sons, um, Esau and Jacob as well. There's a little bit of controversy there, you know, there is something to be said about oh Isaac kind of played favorites a little bit with his yes, sons. Indeed, rather. Um and you know, which isn't which isn't a very good situation. But then also Rebecca played favorite too. It was is it was an interesting always uh, ends in disaster when you play favorites with the kids. Absolutely. You know, we know that God shows no partiality. That's it is right. it is only man. So let us, you know, live as Jesus lived, showing no partiality but loving those um loving everyone. I was about to say loving those who love you, but I'm like, no, that's not what God did. God loved everyone. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, right. <laughs> loved those who persecuted him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus God Christ.
for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.